Hello and welcome to NFL First and Goal, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Eric Allen, the former NFL cornerback. On today's podcast, we'll focus on the key matchups across the league, spotlighting the divisional game between the Lions and Bears with Earl Bennett, the former Bears receiver. But let's kick off the podcast with our NFL insider. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Be sure to check out Ian's outstanding podcast, Rap Sheet and Friends, right here on TuneIn every week. Ian, let's kick things off with Le'Veon Bell. Is it your expectation he's not going to report to the Steelers on Tuesday, meaning he's not going to play at all this year? I think we've set a record for Le'Veon Bell questions in a year. Uh, it has been an unbelievable saga. I cannot fathom that it's actually gone by this long. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that is my expectation. That is the Steelers' expectation that Le'Veon Bell does not end up showing up, signing his franchise tag. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things that happened was he arrived in Pittsburgh, and it sounded like he was ready to go. Uh, but then he and his agent learned that he did not have to play this year to qualify for that third franchise tag, $25 million, which obviously the Steelers are not going to do, making him a free agent. He just didn't need to play. So once he gave up $8 million, then it was like, all right, well, he's already given up eight. Clearly has no problem giving up money. So he gave up the additional six. And I really think probably does not show up and play and just goes into 2019 offseason as a free agent. Wow. In uh, where... Is he going to be able to make up uh, the money? What team? Well, well let's, let's look at the math of it first. So he's lost $14.5 million. When you look at the contract extension that he did not sign last July, he needs to make $42 million over the next two years to equal what he would have made. I would say that's possible but unlikely. He's been asking for $17 million a year uh, from the Steelers. So – you know that's probably what he would what he would have to make, and he's a great player. It's just there's no precedent. We haven't seen a running back like this in his prime hitting free agency since probably Edger and James. I mean, there's not a lot of them. Um, as far as the teams that you know he could look at, I mean, the Jets are going to have a lot of money. Um, I would imagine they'll probably be interested. Um, a lot of the other teams though that have money might not be, you know, sort of prime to spend. I mean, I don't think the Bucks would spend that on a running back. I don't think the 49ers would spend that on a running back. Um, Houston Texans will have some money. Maybe they're a possibility. I mean, there's there's options out there, but Lightning will have to strike for him to get the kind of money that he wants. Taking you around the league with our NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, you referenced the Jets. Just a grisly loss today at home to Matt Barkley. Dare I say future Hall of Famer, Matt Barkley and the Buffalo Bills. Ian, how much job security does Todd Bowles have moving forward? You know, this is an organization that I think wants to be patient, prides themselves on being patient, sort of methodical in their approach. Uh, That will be challenged. Uh, I I would imagine going into the bye, they will take a very hard look at things and either come out and say, we're we're just going to give it some time and let everything play out and see what happens, or you know, make a decision Monday. Um, I have a hard time imagining they fire Todd Bowles, but we've seen crazier things. Um, Nobody's happy. Nobody in the Jets organization is happy. Um, So we'll see where, you know, we'll see what direction they end up going. But but I would say this, I mean, it is very clear that Bowles is on notice for the rest of the year. 
with the Colts winning 29-26 today, and many people thought the Jacksonville uh, Jags would be in the Super Bowl kind of run. Where do the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, go from from here? You know, I thought I actually thought they looked better. Um, I really did. I mean, Fournette was back. That was nice, and that probably helped them look more whole. A bad loss, but, I mean, it looked like they were getting ready to come and tie it up before the fumble. I think the Jags are okay. Um, you know, might be a team that makes some tinkering, but, for instance, I don't think, like, Marone is in trouble, you know, unless he really, really loses a team. That would be that would be awful rash uh, for an organization that showed an unbelievable amount of patience with Gus Bradley, like incredible amount of patience. Um, I just think they, they sort of need to keep doing what they're doing, which is not exciting, um, but they do have a good enough team to make a little run here. I believe that. Meanwhile, the other part of this is the Colts are not bad. Yeah. They're young. They don't know anything, but they are not bad. Right, right. As the Colts go to 4-5 and five with their victory over the Jaguars today. Taking you across the league with our NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, the game between the Raiders and the Chargers being played as scheduled in Oakland despite the very serious issue of wildfires here in the state of California. Is there a potential contingency plan to move tomorrow's Monday night game between the Giants and the Niners away from Santa Clara and the Bay Area? My understanding is, I mean, yes, they, they are. They have plans, all sorts of different plans. Um, but my understanding is those games at this point are expected to go on as scheduled, as planned in the place where they were. I mean, there were, you know, there were games that happened, professional games that happened in the Bay Area and Los Angeles yesterday. Obviously, a couple today. Um, my understanding is that things are probably going to be okay. We're going to keep monitoring it because, you know, air health or whatever you'd want to call it is something that's important um, and that people are watching, but it does not sound like they're primed to move the game. Big win today for the Tennessee Titans. It's just a bunch of expatriates go back, get the big W, and Gronk is on the sideline, and they kind of focused on him every time there was a drop ball or or not able to get the mismatch that uh, the Patriots usually get in those situations. What's going on with Gronkowski? Good question. So here's my understanding. I think he would be healthy enough to play right now. I not I think I know he would be healthy enough to play right now. This is not a situation where it's like, all right, he's got an ankle injury and he can't run, so he can't play. He can play, but the Gronk that we've seen this year is not like the guy that the Patriots have come to to know and love. I mean, it's just not. He does not look the same, and so their thinking was, you know what, like we got it, we're good, we got other people, you know, let's develop the offense a little bit and sort of prepare for contingencies, and let's just sit him down. And they got the bye coming up uh, now, I think. They got the bye coming up, and he'll be probably off the field about a month. And when he comes back, the hope is he's a little quicker and a little less like the kind of lumbering veteran that he's looked like the past couple weeks. That's that's their goal here, to try to get him going uh, for December and into the playoffs. Ian, as always, we appreciate the insights. And because presumably I can't ask you about Le'Veon Bell next week, let's wrap up today's conversation with the real conundrum. How was he able to tweet upside down? Uh, Great question. First of all, I was able to read it upside down by turning my computer upside down. It turns out there is a website where you just punch in what you want to say and it comes out upside down. I have not tried it, but I've had friends who've tried it, and they say it's relatively easy. 
That said, Le'Veon Bell has a lot of time in his hands, and he's the one who gets to look up really fun stuff like that. I will just leech off him after he comes up with the idea. Wacky technology. Thank you, Ian. And have your son do more television hits on NFL Network. Uh, that was yeah. Emmy Award-winning stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll let him know. Next on NFL First and Goal, the podcast, let's break down the game between the Cardinals and the Chiefs with Kendall Gammon, game analyst for 101 The Fox in Kansas City and the Chiefs Radio Network. Now let's expand the conversation. Focus on Kansas City's latest victory, defeating Arizona today, 26-14. Chiefs now 9-1. Pleased to be joined by Kendall Gammon, former Chiefs tight end game analyst for 101 The Fox and the Chiefs Radio Network. Kendall, we appreciate you taking the time. What would you take away from today's win? Well, you know what? It wasn't an ugly win, but it wasn't as much style as the past, but it was workmanlike. And basically, it could have been characterized as a trap game, but the Chiefs got enough done. And then you've got the big game next week in Mexico City. Yeah, big game next week in Mexico City. How was the second-year quarterback handling the praise and the success so far? You know, Eric, that's a great question. and it's, It's really amazing. The guy just... Um, he's real. Um, he answers questions so sincerely, and you wonder whether that's going to grow out of him. But he's, it's just how he is. You know, I interviewed him several times after the the, uh, the game uh, last year, actually, and and just he's a good dude. He's been raised the right way, and, and you know this as well as anybody because you've been around this game a long time. Is you know when somebody uh, the game's not too big for him, and the game is not too big for him at all. He's just having fun. He has a lot of support, a lot of weapons at his disposal, and certainly Andy Reid and the play calling that he's got going on certainly is a, is a best friend. Kendall, there was a moment in the game that went viral on social media. Tyreek Hill took his talents into the stands. Touchdown celebration as a TV cameraman. I know Andy Reid wasn't thrilled postgame because it led to a penalty. How did you and Mitch Holtis react to that on the air? You know what? We actually didn't see it at the time. We knew he did something, but uh, I was looking down some stats, so I didn't see the whole thing. I know uh, Big Red, after the game, when asked how that conversation went, he said, not good. <laughs> so uh, he was none too pleased. And, and again, uh, Andy Reid's a, a player's coach, but when you say that, it doesn't mean he lets people get away with things. It means he tells it how it is. And, and I guarantee you, he let uh, Tyreek have it just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Andy's a great guy. We talk so much about, you know, Mahomes and Kareem Hunt and Tariq Hill, all the offensive firepower and weapons you have. Talk to us a little bit of how the defense is maturing uh, through halfway, uh, more than halfway of the season. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the, the pass rush specifically today, Eric, was, was fabulous. D Ford, he, he was just a monster all day long. He only had the one sack, uh, but he was hitting the QB all day long. Rosen wanted no uh, no part of him, those tackles. I mean, he's just he gets off the ball so quickly, and then he's able to bend while he's running full speed, and then he's got the wherewithal to see that ball in, in the QB's hand and, and knock it out. He didn't do it today, but he's got four on the season. So uh, he's somebody that is a weapon. You know, getting Justin Houston back and Chris Jones, the other guy, yeah. and the, the, the defensive tackle, I mean, you know, uh, when, when you have big defensive tackles that can – can make plays and Chris Jones. I don't believe you can block him one on one right now at six six three 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 ten. It's a big boy. Yeah, he is. And he, yeah, exactly right. And and he is he is athletic. You know, I'm watching this this Rams game and uh, you see Sue and you see Donald. Those two guys. I mean, those are full grown men. And and uh, Chris Jones is right in the conversation with those guys. I think. 
spotlighting the Chiefs with Kendall Gammon, game analyst for 101 The Fox Chiefs Radio Network. Kendall, hope your passport is updated because, as you know, you and the Chiefs will be heading south of the border the next time we hear from Kansas City. Marquee matchup, Monday night football against the Rams in Mexico City. And you alluded to you're watching the Rams right now. How would you compare the L.A. offense to the Kansas City offense? You know what? Um, they're, they're similar because they've got playmakers. You know, I, I think uh, you know they've got people that can go over the top. They've got multiple uh, folks who can get it done uh, receiving-wise, although I'm watching Cup right now who looks like he's down with a, a very a severe knee injury. I hope not. But uh, I think the big thing is they also have a running back uh, who can get it done in the run game and, of course, a, Q, a quarterback uh, who, who's having a nice year as well. And, and I also think uh, a lot of it goes to, to the, uh, the head coach who, who just communicates with the players very well, and I think they want to play for him. And I think I see the same thing here with Andy Reid. Yeah. My last question for you, just like the Rams, uh, they're missing a vital piece in that secondary, secondary and Aqib Tlaib. When's the legendary Eric Berry? When are we going to see uh, his impact uh, again at the Kansas City secondary? Boy, I know. Your guess maybe is as good as mine, but we hear day to day, each and every day. I mean, it's painful. You know, I just feel like maybe he's been biding his time a little bit. And but we're hearing that they expect him in this last half of the season. I figure probably the last five or six games will be a possibility. Um, but you know, nothing official. But if we could get him back, especially with getting Daniel Sorensen back today uh, for the first time since training camp, and then also again. Uh, Justin Houston, if we could get Barry back, that would be huge because then you would have a defense that is never going to look good on paper right now because they gave up so many yards earlier in the season. But as of late, they've been playing better. All right. Kendall, we know you had a long broadcast day, so we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today here on the NFL on TuneIn. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Now let's focus on the matchup between the Lions and the Bears with former Bears receiver Earl Bennett, now part of the Bears pregame show on WGN Television in Chicago. Now let's recap the Bears' third straight win as they beat Detroit 34-22. Pleased to be joined by Earl Bennett, the former Bears receiver, part of the Bears pregame show on WGN-TV. Earl, thanks for taking the time. What impressed you the most about the Bears' win today? The most impressive thing for me was Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, he was 23 for 30, passing the ball. He's 355 yards, three touchdowns. I think he really did a great job with selling his feet this week and getting the ball to his playmakers. Uh, what has Coach Nagy done the last uh, maybe three or four weeks to to kind of change uh, how the outside is looking at Mitchell? I think it's the scripted plays. He does a great job, especially if you look at the first drive with how he put the plays together and not giving them too much. I think the biggest thing for Mitchell is to just continue to build off games like these and don't regress. Earl, great to see Khalil Mack back on the field after dealing with the ankle injury. A few weeks ago, Bill Belichick said you can't compare anybody to Lawrence Taylor, but do you think Mack is already making an imprint on the NFL that it's not a stretch to put him in the same category as an all-time defensive great? I mean, listen, we saw the plays that he made today. He's amazing. He's a great player. So to try and, you know, diminish anything that he's doing right now, I think you can't really listen to it because he has so much more football to play. But what he's doing on the field, how he's changing the game, how he makes other players step up and play better, I think you have to admire it. And you saw the one play where he avoided the chip. He pushed the tackle down and made the sack. 
plays like that don't happen often, and you can tell that he is a difference maker on that defense. Yeah, but we all know it's it's the cover guys in the back end who are making Khalil Mack look great, right? <laughs> well, no, t- talk to us a little bit of how uh, Eddie Jackson and Prince and Kyle Fuller are able to benefit by what uh, Khalil Mack is able to, to, to bring to the table. Yeah, well, you know, the quarterback got to get the ball out fast. Like, he don't have time to sit back there and go through uh, the third and fourth progression. He has to go through one-two and make a decision. And so those guys are reaping the benefit of having guys like Khalil Mack, uh, Akeem Hicks, you have uh, Leonard Floyd. Like you have so many good pass rushes on this Bears defense that it's hard to really hold the ball, and you got to get rid of them. So Eddie Jackson and those Kyle Fuller, those guys are doing very well with you know holding their ground. Talking Chicago football with Earl Bennett, the former Bears receiver. Earl, now that the Bears are 6-3, and three, they see the Lions again on Thanksgiving. Is it too early to put the Bears in the playoff conversation? I don't think it's too early. I think they're starting to gain a lot of momentum right now going into you know December and to playoff times. I think they're doing well. I think if they can continue to build on what they're doing offensively, defensively, they're, they're good. I think they're all set from that perspective. But offensively, you have to continue to get better. You have to run the ball better, going against teams like Minnesota, and then you have to play Green Bay again. So you just got to continue to build on this momentum. Don't regress, because if you do, then you may be looking on the outside, trying to figure out how do we get back in the playoff picture. So right now you're in the driver's seat. You just got to keep it up. Just keep it going. Earl, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. As we continue on NFL First and Gold, the podcast, let's take you round the league with Brad Hopkins, the former NFL offensive lineman. Now let's expand the conversation. Take you round the league with Brad Hopkins, the former Oiler and Titan offensive lineman. Brad, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with your takeaways from the Rams' latest victory and look ahead to a juicy Monday night football matchup next week in Mexico City. Who do you think is the more complete team, the 9-1 Chiefs or the 9-1 Rams? That's a great question. I think that when you couple the Rams' defense, uh, maybe having the slight edge over the Chiefs' defense, then I probably say the most well-rounded team, uh, since both offenses are highly explosive, um, it, it would go to the Rams. Now, I will say that they have probably more explosive quarterback play, or at least more versatility in that aspect, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, which is playing well above beyond his years. Basically, uh, Jared Goff is just on pace to have a tremendous season but he's not the catalyst of that offense like I would say Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, towards the end of the game, the I, think, I thought the Fowler strip sack was just huge. And then you see that that fearsome uh, front of the Rams, maybe when they get to lead back, this defense can kind of round into shape. But you're correct right now. And and so the same thing with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're missing Eric Berry. Once these two pivotal players in the secondary get back, which team do you kind of give the edge going down the stretch? Yeah, you still have a pass rush that's consistent and from different kind of angles. Not only talent-wise can they apply pressure, uh, but they can dial things up. They can make it difficult on, on an offense as well. I think that when you're talking about the best back in the league uh, and Todd Gurley, uh, who's who's definitely worth the price of admission, uh, th- I mean, there's a dynamic right there that you just can't really afford to, to lose to. You don't want to give the ball back to Jared Goff in that offense because you probably won't see it again. 
Taking you around the league with Brad Hopkins, the former Oiler and Titan offensive lineman. So let's focus on your old franchise. Tennessee looked very good in just about every phase of the game. Mike Vrabel matching wits with his old head coach, Bill Belichick. Titans beat the Patriots today to go to 5-4. and four. We know that Mike Malarkey changed the culture in Tennessee. It's a team that won a playoff game a year ago. But, Brad, what dimension do you think Mike Vrabel has brought this club this year? I think that he just basically created a structure here um, that was necessary to kind of corral the talent that it that it has. Um, this is a very young team, therefore being very developmental. And Mike Vrabel and the system that he's trying to implement, I mean, are, are, are just exactly what you know the doctor would have ordered in this situation. Uh, if you listen to even the respect that he has for even going against his, I would say, mentor, even though he was more of a coach to him than than a staff member, uh, his respect for the game and what he's actually teaching his players is, I mean, it's phenomenal. And just think of how, how top-to-bottom committed uh, your players are when they have that type of understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. And also understanding that this guy comes from a tree of, of success. You know, and, and listening to the number of players that, you know, that have had that experience of being in New England and experiencing that culture, they all said the same thing. You know, and it was like maybe Logan Ryan even said, fellas, about, you know, playing a full 60 minutes against this team because this team is just waiting for you to do something to give them advantage. And, and they just didn't do that today. The Titans didn't do that. They didn't commit the mistakes that teams normally make against them to ultimately cause themselves to lose. How special is it this year to watch Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints get it done? You know, I, I, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Um, here's a guy that just he just has a healthy amount of respect for everybody and everything that goes into into winning. You know, um, I got the chance to watch him in training camp at White Sulphur Springs when they used to do that gig back then, and just watching him interact with his teammates. Uh, you know, just the little things that they would work on. He's not going to always you know be perfect, um, but here's a guy that you know is going to always show up. If you guys understand what I'm saying, you know what I mean. Yeah. Not every day is going to be a, a sunny day, and it's, it's not always going to go your way. Um, but if you, you expect him to um, to finish the game 100. percent Absolutely, he's that kind of field general. He is the consummate field general, to say the least. Brad Hopkins is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Brad, Eric, and I have had a lot of MVP chatter today. Who's your MVP so far as we get ready for Sunday Night Football here on Week Ten? Oh my gosh, that's a <laughs> that's a I, you know what? I, I, it, it sounds like low hanging fruit, gentlemen. But let's just say Patrick Mahomes isn't in Kansas City, and they're probably looking more like what Washington's offense looks right now. Alex Smith's a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. I, I I would trust him. Just not a dynamic quarterback. So if you have to say that he's the difference maker in what Kansas City is able to do this year. I think that he would probably get my MVP, but I probably would guess he'd get, he'd get a lot of people's MVP. Uh, my friend Brian has been asking the question, and no one ever says anything about Phillip Rivers and what the Chargers are able to do. Uh, the Chargers, another win today against a Oakland football team. Uh, the running game is Chris with Gordon. He has tremendous receivers. But every single week, the one person that always gets it done is Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he's definitely a candidate. I mean, there are plenty of guys out there that you might say, you know, would fit the bill of, of an MVP this year. 
Um, you, we talked about Drew Brees. We, we can you you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. We talked about Drew, um, uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, I would say that well, not after today, Tom Brady would have been in that discussion. But we see how pedestrian they are or can become when they lose one of their favorite targets in Rob Gronkowski. He really kind of changes the dynamic of their offense when he's out on the field. You know, there's a lot of things that they can't do, especially you know using what Tom's able to do. So I don't know. There's a few candidates out there. Definitely put Philip Rivers in the season that they're having, coupled with you know the defense finally figuring out who they are. You know, I think that the, the combo of pass rushers and of course them being able to run the football with Melvin Ward and consistently now being able to take over games, not like his start. Yeah, that definitely makes him a contender. So he's actually able to take advantage of all the assets that they have there, and and actually able to take, take advantage of having a coach in Vance Joseph that kind of lets him do his thing. You know what I mean? Doesn't interfere or meddle too much. And that's how the football is Phil Rivers be the trusted field general that he is. Anthony Lynn has guided the Chargers to a seven and two yeah, mark. Brad, we appreciate you taking the time. We enjoy your work on the radio. Thanks so much for joining us today here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, gentlemen. See ya. Let's close out the podcast with the intersection of football and physics. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. And for that, we're pleased to be joined by our pals Chuck Nice and Dr. Eric Goff. Guys, we'll check in with you in a moment. First, let's go to Chicago. The Bears beat the Lions. Mitchell Trubisky was dialed in. Jeff Joniak with the call. WBBM in Chicago and the Bears radio network. Guys, take us through the dynamics of the play. Thanks a lot. Well, Lions can't tackle a bear. Oh, my. Dr. Eric Goff, what happened here? Well, rookie wide receiver Anthony Miller was the inside part of a three-receiver set on the right side of the line. At the snap, confusion ensued in the Lions' secondary. While two of the three Bears' receivers occupied the attention of three Lions in the secondary, Miller slipped through. Lions strong safety Quandre Diggs was pointing at the line of scrimmage with his right hand and pointing at Miller with his left hand. Now we come to the decisive physics. The key concept here is relative velocity. A person on the sidelines would have seen Miller moving at a given speed and direction, but Quinn saw Miller moving with a speed and direction relative to himself. That's Lions free safety Glover Quinn had to aim for a spot where he thought Miller would be when the collision happened. But Quinn aimed too far behind Miller, and the best he hoped for was an arm tackle. Miller lowered his center of mass when Quinn made contact, increasing Miller's stability. Quinn's arm tackle didn't cut it, and Miller easily broke free. He needed only to get to about 16 miles per hour on his way to the end zone to ensure he wasn't tackled. It's not easy to calculate relative velocity in a split second on a gridiron, but professional athletes do it all the time, usually without thinking about it. A quarterback throws to a spot where a receiver will be as the ball falls to the ground, and a defensive back aims where a receiver will be when closing the distance. Sometimes, Chuck, the calculation is a little off. There you have it. One man's miscalculation is another man's highlight reel. I'm sure uh, GQ is not looking stylish on this play, and he's probably wishing he had some ruby cleats that he could click three times and go home. You know what I'm saying, Brian. I feel you, Chuck, but I figure there'd be at least one Lion King reference in there. <laughs> uh, uh, what can I say? Uh, you have Simba. You have forgotten your pal. <laughs> You're the king of the comedy jungle. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you again next week. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. All free, only on TuneIn.